I'm Bob. We're here with Bill. It's Bill and Bob's bracket busting bonanza. Bill, we made an executive decision pre-pod. We are officially bonanza, which I think is fair compared to the the way this tournament has gone. Yes, absolute bonanza. We're bonanza guys. I'm in for the for the absolute chaos that was uh, unleashed this past weekend, and I'm in for. Uh, the bonanza of a podcast. Uh, shout out um, loyal listener Matt who um, pushed us over the edge to officially become a bonanza. Uh, Bill, we are in Indianapolis. This is the West region, the Gonzaga region. Um, before we do a quick recap, the four teams remaining here are the one seed Gonzaga. They will play the five seed Creighton, the six seed USC. They will face the seven seed Oregon. Oregon from the Pac-12. I'm going to get that right. It's as if they really, just to spite me, that conference has played out of their mind, um, despite me calling them the Pac-10. Yeah, uh, if there's one major takeaway uh, from the weekend, it's that um, we, myself, uh, hand up guilty as charged, criminally um, underrated the Pac-10 slash Pac-12. Um, I, I think you could say the same about criminally overrating perhaps the Big Ten because... We weren't the only for, ones. For those teams to not make it out of <laughs> out of even the first weekend is is abhorrent. Like we were, to, they, we were talking, maybe there could be three Final Four teams from the Big Ten. Well, they'd be lucky if they get one. Let's, maybe they'll get one. Maybe they will get one. And it's funny because it was... The team that is uh, alive in the Big Ten is Michigan. We'll get to them in the East region. But just a quick note on them. They were the ones that everybody was counting out coming in as the week number one because Isaiah Livers is out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, if you watched the Michigan uh, game last night, that, that did factor in in the LSU game. They required like a monumental performance from uh, – like their fourth or fifth score guy, uh, Brooks, in the, who, who was uh, unconscious in the first half, uh, in order to just get past the eighth seed LSU. So yeah, very true. But we'll we'll get to that when we get. To yes. It. So um, just quick at the top, Gonzaga has looked the part um, for. I would say maybe five six minute stretches at the beginning of both of these games. They started slow. Uh, and it hasn't mattered uh, for 40 minutes. No one has been able to touch them. Uh, Oklahoma hanging in for as long as they could. Um, but the trio of Kispert, Suggs, um, and Timmy just have, have looked the part so far. Yeah, uh, I think this one, this is one of the few that I can say this is pretty nice because this is sort of exactly what I was expecting from the Gonzaga-Oklahoma game. Uh, oh, I, we... I don't know if you were in the same boat. I think you were. But um, called the Oklahoma win over Missouri. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma is a, a kind of got like a poor man's Gonzaga type team. So I was expecting them to, to come out with uh, a decent amount of energy and actually push Gonzaga, give them a little bit of a challenge, and uh, then we'll see how Gonzaga reacted. I think that's why the BYU game at the end of the year was probably a big thing for them because they, they certainly didn't blink in the moment. They were down eight early. Um, and – in a blink of an eye, like between um, TV timeouts, actually, they took an eight-point 
uh, deficit and turned it into a four-point lead, and then within a couple of seconds more, it was an eight-point lead, yep. up up about twelve at the half, and never really looked back. Um, game got a little scrappy at the end. Uh, Austin Reeves for Oklahoma should should receive a shout out as he played excellent. Um, I thought the the guy who played the best for either team though was uh, Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy like oh, carried yeah. Gonzaga in the first half. Yeah, Kispert getting into foul trouble. He wasn't fully himself. Um, Suggs made some incredible shots. Uh, that's just sort of what he does. But Timmy um, in the first half had uh, almost had himself a double double and had four assists, I think, or three or four assists in the first half. All beautiful passes. Continued doing that in the second half. If he's playing the way that he played in that game, it's going to be very, very difficult to even compete with them. And looking forward in this region, I guess we'll get to it in a little while. I'm not entirely sure I expect anyone to. Yeah. Um, the, actually, the so just to go down to the next pod, they'll be facing Creighton, a team that actually doesn't play anybody over – uh, their major minutes, nobody plays uh, over 6'7". Uh, Christian Bishop um, at 6'7". I think Damian Jefferson's their other forward slash, I guess he's a guard. He's at, I think, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, they do have a 7-footer who comes off the bench, but he hasn't actually logged too many minutes in the tournament so far. Um, yeah, so I think Creighton is just in for a real tough matchup problem. Although Gonzaga... Um, sometimes lackadaisical on defense, so um, Creighton is going to have to hit shots to beat them, but Creighton hasn't necessarily hit a ton of shots. Uh, They were getting their points more inside against Ohio uh, to make it into the Sweet 16. Yeah. um, Shout out to Ohio. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story of the kid who didn't even start on his high school basketball team who somehow ended up, you know, through, through sheer... Will and Perseverance ended up starting on an Ohio team. Their lead guard. Basically, there was a great Preston. article about yes. it. Yeah. There's a great article about it. Basically, what happened was the kid graduated high school um, after after being sort of like averaging maybe three points a game in high school, didn't really play much. His buddy over the summer in between high school and college asked him to play for an AAU team because they needed a fifth guy. He went to this um, AAU tournament, impressed some people, got on with a with a uh, prep school that he went to then he, when he got to the prep school the prep school was like he wasn't getting enough minutes so he went down a level in the prep school went to like a juco for a year or like a, a smaller college and then ended up finding his way to ohio and and was starting it, it's a, it's a, a very cool story i was sad to see them go out getting back to the and and happy to see them get a win against virginia Getting back to the Creighton game, I think um, it's at least going to be a fun game to watch for a little while because the only way that Creighton can compete in this game is to just make more threes than Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. Um, Gonzaga should win at almost any pace. So I think what Creighton will try to do, if I were Creighton, what I would try to do is is basically just run almost like a Loyola Marymount, like run down the court, shoot a three, run down the court, shoot a three, and try to get Gonzaga to, to do the same thing, get them out of their game, and just hope you make enough threes. Um, the unfortunate thing is I think Gonzaga's, you know, even even from a three-point shooting standpoint, I think Gonzaga is, uh, is certainly comparable to Creighton, who's a pretty decent three-point shooting team. I would say um... – 
it's it, it's the, possibly two of the maybe top five shooters in the country in Kispert and uh, Mitch Ballack from um, from Creighton, the the lefty who is um, certainly up there as far as uh, shooting talents. Um, just to further what you were saying with Jason Preston, his lone start in high school was senior night. Um, and yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. He did not get a ton of minutes, and um, incredible story to get him there. Uh, just and something that I was going to bring up to you: the game of this region so far, I would say, was the Ohio victory over Virginia. Now Virginia kind of sleptwalked it, um, but they were leading throughout until a um, real incredible, I'd say, finish by Ohio because they never lost. Um, they really never lost hope and they they just came down and they kept playing their game and then just I think they hit like six straight free throws down the stretch really just um, ice in their veins from three separate guys who each hit uh, both ends of um, their free throws and uh, yeah for Ohio to overcome just kept making their free throws because Virginia kept Virginia was not letting up so it it got quite close and quite uh quite tricky at the end but they they did what they needed to do made their free throws uh bottom half of the west um usc um with a monumental victory over kansas kansas's worst loss um i I don't know if it was in tournament history or worst loss in their program history um a 34 point um loss to usc the mobley brothers um uh, not to overuse the phrase, but they are also playing the part of just a team that certainly belongs here. Um, both Mobley brothers, Isaiah, I think, uh, had 17 against Kansas. Is it Mobley or Mobley? I've heard both. I think it's actually Mobley, though. All right. I just know I remember Catino Mobley from uh, yeah from back in the well, – he was, I believe, a Georgetown uh, – uh, lefty. I don't know where he. I remember him on the Rockets more than um, yeah. his college career. Uh, um, but yeah, either way, the, the the two of them combined for twenty seven points and uh, twenty one rebounds. And and you know that was in three quarters of the game because this game was a an absolute blowout. U, USC got a very balanced. Um, if you look, a very very balanced effort from their team. They got a lot of guys. Nobody scored twenty for them. Uh, they just had a bunch of guys who contributed. And that's kind of what happens. Uh, The one thing I will say is USC went, uh, they shot 60% from three. They actually shot it better from three. They were 11 for 18 from behind the arc and 10 for 17 from the free throw line. Moving forward, um, I think that that percentage is most likely going to go down and go down significantly. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, not to get ahead of ourselves, but as they play their next game, because the team that they're playing, um, they've already played before. So it's not, you know, I think the Pac-12 kind of snuck up on quite a few people, but these are two Pac-12 teams facing off in the Sweet 16 in Oregon and USC. Yeah, um, I'm actually looking at it now. Um USC played, it looks like they only played once this year. Uh, double checking myself. Yep. They, so they played one game this year. Um, USC beat them 72 to 58. That was a home game for USC. Um, but yeah, uh, and they're, well, Ken Palm has it uh, 
USC projecting to win this game as well. The thing about Oregon, and I, I think we didn't touch on it enough, um, they they were probably the only team in the bottom half of the West region that could score with Iowa. Um, and Duarte, um, who was missing for a significant portion of the year, has come back, and they've played very, very well. Now, it's tough to try and get too high on them because they only needed the one win to get here, um, but just an incredible performance there against Iowa. And Duarte... Um, Really, I mean, was I think he finished with 27 points. He was everything and as expected as far as their, you know, being Oregon's best player. And I had mentioned it before, um, the St. John's transfer, um, Figueroa, the game was getting close for a while, and then he drilled, I think, three straight threes on, on uh, three straight possessions to really kind of distance and distance themselves in the first half yeah but this Oregon team just you can't count them out because of their ability to score uh, as as quick as they can and as much as they can yeah Uh, if you look at USC schedule they do have some big wins earlier in the season probably something should have uh, I should have done a little bit more due diligence on but they had a, a 25 point win over BYU um, their losses are to teams like Connecticut, Colorado, tournament tournament teams. Um, the Connecticut one, I'm assuming, was on the road and not in USA. It was neutral. Um, okay, neutral court. Um, a two-point loss to Oregon State. So they only have seven losses, and their losses are all to teams that we see in the tournament right now. Uh, I think that that's something that's – a, that's a telling sign. I actually like USC in the – Oregon game. Yeah, I think just their size is going to be tough for, for most teams to handle. Um, you know, they have two seven-footers. Um, then they also have Peterson, their swingman, who is um, – th- he's got – I think he's around 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and he's similar to the brothers in that he can play inside and out and, and get to the hoop. He actually um, did a pretty good job of carrying them in the early part of the Drake game, um, you know, in the uh, round of 64. Yeah, Drake actually hung with them for a little while. Drake, um, the the playing game that Drake played against uh, Wichita State was actually a pretty brutal game to watch. Oh, yeah. I, I would call it a defensive match, but, I mean, the two teams have been napped offensively. They couldn't make a shot. In the second game, though, Drake actually showed they are a good defensive team. They played very well defensively, I thought, against USC. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I just think eventually USC just had too much. Yeah, UF USC and and credit to USC too. It, it it's not. It hasn't just been their size. Um, their guards have done just a, done everything as needed to control the game and and the pace of it as well. All right, so we kind of chatted a little bit about these um, early games. Really not like I said. Besides the Virginia Ohio game. I would say that was probably the game so far in this region. Um, we've had it, uh, quite a few blowouts. Creighton had a tough one against uh, UCSB. Um, but for the most part, it's just been, I mean, uh, obviously there was upsets, but uh, just not too many thrillers, uh, perhaps. Um, the 1-5 game, and we touched on this a little bit, we have Gonzaga against Creighton. Um, two teams who could definitely fill it up and shoot it. Creighton, um, obviously most guys 
who hit the floor for them are not afraid to pull up for three. And Gonzaga just for the entire year has been just on a different level offensively. Um, you know, and actually for the past three years, they've been uh, three straight years as the top offensive team in the country. Yeah, I, I see this game, uh, unfortunately, being a 30-point Gonzaga victory. I could be, you know, I mean, we could be wrong. And again, the Creighton could hit a ton of threes. But this game strikes me as the kind of game where if Gonzaga is to get out to an early lead, Creighton will start having to force shots and things will just compound and snowball. Um, I think one of the things that you've seen with Gonzaga is they don't really make a ton of mistakes offensively. They're very, very poised and patient. For a team that scores as much as they do, it's actually crazy that they they are not uh, they don't ever seem in a rush. Yeah, I, I agree. They 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 remain poised, and even they've been. They, you said it earlier. They were down by um, eight against Oklahoma, and they stayed the course. Even the BYU game, going back to the WCC. Uh, conference championship they went down and they never wavered they just kept playing their game and their offense is just such um so unique because it's not like they have to play specifically through kim uh timmy they don't have to play through kispert they don't have to play through suggs in fact suggs has kind of slumped his way through until he um he burst out against oklahoma but he did not play well in the opening round game and it didn't even matter and no. and even adjust- i mean they were playing a 16 sure team, so we'll keep it all in perspective yep. but but in and Ajaye, for the most part, was um, well. Kispert actually played incredibly well against in that game. But Ajaye was um, someone who really started to show his talent as the fourth best guy, and he's certainly an NBA prospect in his own right. But um, he has shot the he shot the ball well in that game. And yeah, they just um, they really they just do not they they don't waver they don't waver one one bit. And Creighton, on the other hand. Um, they are, a, they are a team that will start pressing and they will start putting up. They put up a ton of threes to begin with, um, but they will continue to do that, um, you know, if they're down. They, they have their two – so their two guards, Balak, like I had mentioned, and uh, Zagorowski. It, it's going to lie – it lies on them. Um, and they're like I said, all five guys will, will shoot it from three, but – Specifically, uh, Zagorowski and Balak are going to come down, and they're going to they're going to they're going to play close to forty minutes, and they are going to put up um, a ton of shots. And Zagorowski is one of those guys where he, I don't know, when you start to think that they're out of it, he's the one who seems to hit the um, shots that are. I'd say the most difficult uh, hand in his face. It's like, oh, that that shot's not going to go in, and it just finds the bottom of the cup. Uh, Balak, on the other hand, I've seen him. I've seen him go through stretches where he doesn't look the part of. I mean, he's a top five shooter in the country for sure. But he, I've seen times where he hasn't looked the part. Um, last year, I remember a game against Seton Hall. I think we held him without a three. Uh, Quincy McKnight did a number on him. Um, as he did on a number of players. But Balak just really was just out of sorts. Um, I'm not sure Gonzaga has the defensive stopper to do that, but Gonzaga, I think, just has too much firepower in this game. Yeah, I'm expecting actually a big uh, comeback game from Kispert. Kispert, I, Kispert didn't play terribly in the second half. He actually hit a, hit a, a dagger three when Oklahoma uh, was started to make a little run and try and get it uh, into single digits and hit a three, and then it was really never a game after uh, after he did that. 
you know, like I said, I I just don't see Creighton having enough firepower to win this game. Uh, I like Gonzaga, and I like him in kind of a breeze in this game. I I really don't think it's going to be that close of a game. And Creighton, I think at this point, um, they were a team that um, a lot of the pundits coming into the tournament was calling for them to lose to UCSB. Um, didn't have them, you know, even out of the th- round of 32 getting by, whether it was Virginia or Ohio. Um, they didn't have them getting by here. I don't think. Um, I mean, they barely got by UCSB. They, exactly. And even though they they won by 14 and controlled throughout against Ohio, um, statistically, there, there's nothing there that says, oh, you know, they they had this incredible blowout. It just it really came down to Ohio just wasn't making shots. Yeah, unless we forget, Ohio was a 13 seed. Yes, exactly. Um, all right, so the bottom half of the region, the two Pac-12 teams, uh, two of the Pac, two of the three Pac-12 teams in the um, Sweet 16. We have USC against Oregon. Um, USC, we obviously, the aforementioned, the Mobley brothers, um, Evan, specifically the freshman, um, seemingly a, a future lottery pick um duarte um a guy who since he has come back for oregon i think they're nine or i guess 10 yeah because the yeah they didn't have the opening round game the, so i think they're 10 and one since he he's returned to the lineup uh six six senior who um also is i think considered a nba talent maybe i'm wrong there but i think he is considered a first rounder yeah, I, I was impressed with uh, the way Oregon played. I, and I don't know how you couldn't be. Uh, they did. They, they dismantled Iowa. Like that, that, you know, that game, the final score, probably looks a little bit closer than to me it felt in the second half. Like that game was 16 points, and it was really like eight to 10 points throughout the entire first half. I'm not sure Iowa ever closed it to within like six points at any point in time after about you know 15 minutes into the game. Yeah, Iowa just, uh, you know, it was as if they were, Oregon was letting Garza, not saying letting him, but they were. Garza's going to get what Garza gets. Exactly. Let's focus elsewhere and let's let's make sure nobody else. We're not going to. We're not going to allow the rest of these guys to get wide open shots because of Garza. And they and and so Garza did get his. He had thirty six. Yeah. Um, and they, it's it's weird too because I would say when you look at Oregon's team, and this this could be the difference maker against USC. They don't, the, most of their minutes are coming from um, five guys who are all sitting at six six and six five. Um, they do have a six uh, Chandler Lawson who will come off the bench and play some minutes. He's at six eight, um, but for the most part, it's Duarte at six six. Figueroa at 6'6", Richardson at 6'5", and Amarui, who is at 6'6", who I think uh, guards most of their... I could be wrong, but I think he guards most of the big men. Um, so they're a unique team in that they are... They, they don't have that true big man. And USC, as we've seen, they're going to continue to just get... They continue to get the ball inside. And both Mobley brothers, neither one of them are... Um, incredibly imposing figures because they are six foot eleven and seven feet, and they're probably about like two ten and two twelve. Um, yeah. But they they around the rim, they are so creative and athletic. Uh, they will they put up a ton of dunks and layups and and whatnot. 
And um, here's another thing, and this is why I like USC in this game when it when it comes down to it. USC is a is actually an excellent rebounding team. If you look at the numbers across the board, they've got the Mobley brothers who average 8.8 and 7.3. And then from the guard spots, they've got three guys averaging over three rebounds a game and uh, and one of their forwards averaging five rebounds. And uh, Drew Peterson, who I guess is technically a guard too, averaging five rebounds a game. You add it all up, they're an excellent rebounding team. That bodes well for you defensively, and it bodes well for them on offense. When some of those threes start not falling, which is just the law of numbers would say that that's going to happen, you're going to see some offensive rebounds from USC. I think the Oregon's going to have a tough time dealing with the size of USC, so that's why I like USC in this game. Yeah. And then we take it to the final of that of the conference final, and what are your thoughts there? So I think actually USC um... – I, out of the two teams in the bottom half, um, I think actually Oregon poses a different threat in the form of being able to just score and score in bunches. But USC's size and their what I've seen out of their guards in this tournament, um, I think they're actually the tougher opponent here for Gonzaga because I think with um, the the Mobley brothers and Peterson at six, eight, you have a, a, an imposing front line um, to go against Timmy and the backup actually Watson has played well off the bench for Gonzaga as well. But um, yeah, I just think the, yeah. the size of USC, I think could pose a problem for Gonzaga. I don't think Gonzaga loses, um, but I think that just if they're able to slow the game down and, and just kind of grind it out, which is what USC's, um, when you look at their their tempo numbers, they they play at a slightly slower pace. Um, I think that could be the difference maker in just keeping Gonzaga, um, you know, from getting as many points in 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 spurts as they do. Yeah, one of the interesting things about Gonzaga is. Um, they, they you know the way that the team is is set up and the way that they kind of play, they're they're really four guards around uh, yes. Timmy. You can consider Kispert a forward. You know, he's, he's kind of a two slash three. Um, but, you know, the, when they're going to their crunch time lineup, it's Suggs, uh, Ayai, Nemhart, uh, Timmy, and, and Kispert. And uh, I said Suggs already. Um, and all of those guys are 6'4 or above. Suggs is 6'4". Uh, Ayai, who has averaging seven boards a game, yep. excellent rebounding guard, is um, is six five and can cover a little bit taller yep. than um, his position. Kispert is six seven, and Timmy is obviously a, a, a very very good big man who who's not going to. I foresee the Mobley brothers getting into a little bit of foul trouble if. Gonzaga decides that they want to put down low early to Timmy. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they decide to do. I, I think what I'm the guy I'm actually looking for if in the Elite Eight and even in this game against Creighton to ha, to take a a step forward is actually Suggs. Um, he's just somebody who we haven't really seen it yet where he's just he's a guy who could get some mul- he gets he can get multiple steals and get out on the break. Um, you know, where their offense comes from, their defensive effort. Um, so Suggs, I think, to me, I think he's he's due for a defensive effort where he really starts to impact the game from start to finish. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I agree with you that we're going to see big game out of Sargs. I don't think it's going to be in this um, regional. I think when um, the, if I'm, a, I'm operating under the assumption because I'm picking them that Gonzaga moves on to the final four, mm-hmm. I think then is when you're going to see Sargs. When Gonzaga is matching up with teams that um, where maybe Kispert's having a tough time and they've got other big men that they're throwing at Timmy and giving him a difficult look. I think a game like that where you saw it against BYU where it was like, wow, nothing's working for other people. And that's when Sarge yeah. steps in as the third option. To his credit, he is willing to defer a little bit. Um, and I think that's the difference between him and all the other freshmen. Kate Cunningham, um, the kid on on LSU, um, Cam, Cam Thomas, Thomas, and and, uh, and and others. I think Suggs is has consistently deferred all season, and that's why Gonzaga wins. Because you could also you could have a guy like Suggs, as good as he is, who wants the ball more, who who is forcing things that aren't necessarily there because he should be getting more touches. And theoretically, he should. I mean, he's yes. that good. But um, I mean, he's only averaging fourteen a game, and uh, and really, in all actuality, he could average twenty five a game in college. But because he's got the senior leadership with them, and they're winning, and it's working. Um, He's perfectly willing to defer. But you saw against BYU when things aren't working, the way he stepped up in that game, that's what I'm expecting from him in the Final Four. And but and if if high if the low number seeds play out, it would be either against Michigan, whose senior guards have, have stepped up, or against that Alabama trio of um, Shackelford, Quint uh, Quinterly and John Petty. So that's those are exactly um, two teams who who rely on their guards. I would say more than um, USC or Oregon. Um, yep. Bill, this has been the West region. Um, I we are not wavering. We are a very pro uh, Gonzaga podcast, and hard not to be this year as they are um, a team that seems destined for the ages. Um, We'll be back. Uh, Next region is the East region. This has been Bill and Bob's bracket busting. Busting. Bonanza. Bonanza. (laughs) Bill, I will see you in the East. See you in the East, Bob.